At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's up, boys and girls? Just wanted to take a quick minute to talk to you about the Paddle and Fin gear. If you haven't seen it yet, go to paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Go click that store tab at the top. Check out the store. We got tons of t-shirt designs, long sleeves, hoodies, phone cases, you name it, it's on there. Give it a gander. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your jig order. Welcome to the Paddle and Fin Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as an angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milton. Welcome to the Bass Fist for Noob segment of the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm Ryan, and today we got our very own Josh Eldridge. How you doing tonight, Josh? I'm doing good, Ryan. How are you? Man, I'm making it. Just trying to get through these hot days. You know, here in Tennessee, you know, we haven't seen too much cooling down. It's, It's been pretty hot here. Yeah, man, it got hot last week here, man. We hit the lower 90s with a high 90s heat index and then uh i think friday rolled through it was still pretty warm and woke up saturday morning it cooled down a lot but um it started out cool this morning it didn't get hot here but it got a little bit warmer but it was nice you know i i was enjoy i was getting stoked for the cooler weather get the fight uh the fall bite going on but it kind of uh got i think it might warm up again i'm not sure i haven't checked the weather but I don't know. I'm kind of done with the heat. So, yeah, I feel like our fall bite ain't going to start till like November because it's yeah. been so hot around here. Yeah, um, I mean, you guys, you're south, you know, you're south. So it's, and you're, you're in southern Tennessee, right? Uh, about, about middle. I'm, I'm a yeah. little bit south of Nashville. Okay, cool. 
I have a buddy that lives down near you and uh, outside of Chattanooga. So. Okay, yeah, Chattanooga, I think, is probably like an hour and a half away, something like that. Cool, cool. Uh, Josh came on tonight. Uh, you know, if, if you've noticed a, a trend in this segment, you know, we've been bringing on each of the hosts from the different segments, a little one at a time, little by little, mixing it in, uh, just so you can get to know the hosts a little better, get to know their fishing techniques, what kind of advice they might have on um, for beginning bass fishermen or even experienced bass fishermen that are looking for um, to enhance their fishing game and whatnot. So we're going to talk to Josh a little bit tonight and see uh, what kind of information we can get out of him. And, um, you know, he was wanting to talk a little bit about uh, some swim baits tonight, some uh, soft plastic swim baits, which is something that I don't, have a lot of experience with myself. I think I've thrown them a couple times, but it's like cast for five, 10 minutes. All right, not doing no good. Let's go back to something else that I'm comfortable with. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm gonna let you take it away there, Josh. All right, buddy. Um, so here's kind of my deal. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, paddle tail swim baits, specifically plastics um it's my favorite bait obviously anybody who's followed me for a little bit fishing wise which isn't very many people but some of the people i know locally you know we've um we've been i've been talking with a guy trying to design kind of not design one but he I, there's a color scheme that i really like on the rivers but i'll just go over some of the basic stuff i'm not uh, an experienced angler by any means like some of the other guys are um, but I do fairly well in the rivers each year especially in the spring and then especially in the fall time with this specific bait and um, it looks like uh, Brian just joined <laughs> <laughs> special guest appearance we got Brian the toe shiller joining in here <laughs> yep. is that why you guys dialed me in <laughs> seriously yeah. we're recording buddy Oh man, I thought yeah, y'all. I was just joking with y'all, but now you dial me in here, so I guess I gotta <laughs> partake a little bit. Yeah, we got Josh in here talking about some uh, soft plastic swim baits and uh, some techniques with that. Nice. I'm not a huge swim bait guy. I can't really give you any feedback. <laughs> well, you you can uh, you can learn a thing or two listening to Josh here then. Yeah, I know he's a king of Kitex, so I, I I will definitely sit back and listen. So, I hey mean, Brian, he, I got a quick question. Do you yeah. like my witness protection profile? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told him he needs a voice changer. You know, he's yeah. got the dark face right now. Uh, I could probably arrange that and post at it. So, <laughs> for for the listeners that can't see what's going on right now uh josh is recording in his truck and the lighting is terrible so you can't see his face <laughs> at all you just kind of see the silhouette of his face that's funny so, this is just to protect the innocent okay <laughs> we're relocating so my family needs to be safe <laughs> oh boy what'd you do now josh uh, oh no i can't talk about it man i got so you i got you protect the innocent <laughs> oh gosh so uh yeah we're going into is uh kind of it's really going to be specific technique um 
this is something that I learned and kind of perfected in the past couple of years. I don't say perfected, uh, but I've gotten a lot better at, and it's this specific bait has actually helped me land my personal best, which is kind of a trophy bass in our waters in this area uh, for the river, which was a 20 inch bass. And uh, my light keeps going out for whatever reason. So now we got even darker. Yeah. But, uh, I was like, where did you go? <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. Um, but, um, so yeah, we'll go into that. And like I said, this is going to be kind of specific to, uh, river fishing. Um, I do not do very well throwing this in lakes, but I think that's also attributed to that. I'm not very familiar with fishing lakes. It's something new that I've gotten into this year. Um, my previous lake fishing was a tiny little lake that allows no motors whatsoever. You could kayak fish in and it worked well there. And uh, I'll kind of touch on that too. So just don't let me forget to touch on my lake experience with it and where it kind of works there. But mm-hmm. but uh, I'll go into uh, fishing rivers. What's up, man? <laughs> I, I just noted that so I wouldn't let you forget. Okay. <laughs> did you write that down? I did. Awesome. <laughs> did you screenshot it? That's the question. You know me. I'm the king of screenshots. <laughs> All right. Um, so... We'll go into it. Um, I first started throwing this bait uh, two years ago, and I threw not the largest one they have. They have some larger, like eight, maybe nine inch Kitek swim baits. Um, I really liked Kitek because of the color scheme uh, that they offered. They had all kinds of different, really good, natural looking baits. Um, and what I did is kind of research what's in our local waters. Um, you know, and matched it according to that. Like around here, we have a lot of those, um, like ghosts, like, uh, like white colored little tiny bait fish that I see a lot of times that'll bass will be chasing after. Um, we have something called a central stone roller, which is a, a big color that I'm using now, which is like kind of a black on top and a, a bluish hue on the bottom. Um, so there's one that I use, it's called Sight Flash from Kitek. It's a white top, clear bottom, and it's got like silver flake in it. And the other one is kind of match up central stone roller, which is a black and a bluish color. Um, with uh, those two baits is kind of actually where I, I catch the best amount of smallmouth. They even have one called Smallmouth Magic. That's pretty yes, good. That's my um, favorite. It's like a, yeah, it's like a greenish, like almost a turquoise kind of like a light turquoise color clear on the bottom. It's a really, really good clear water bait. Like if you got good clarity, that's a good bait to throw. Um, from what I've understood and researched from some of the local guys around here that smallmouth bass see in green spectrum light very, very well. So that's why you see a lot of guys who smallmouth fish throwing your green pumpkins and stuff like that. But what I kept seeing in the rivers around here was those little white bait fish, man. And, and then the shad kind of in the area that I was fishing in a lot had the colors of that, that white and that black and blackish light blue color. And when I started throwing those, um, I started getting even more bites and bigger bites. Um, but like I said, I kind of went off track there on the colors, but, um, I started throwing weightless on like a five aught hook, the 4.8 Kitex for a while and caught some really good bass like that. But what I started to notice was my, <laughs> stop, right? I can't help it. I'm try- I don't know why it won't stay on. 
it's killing me. Um, let me turn my music down. I just turned the truck kind of on. So, um, what I started noticing though is this that setup works really, really well in the spring and fall like patterns. And smallmouth bass will sit in slow water next to fast water during that time. Um, and they'll watch the fast water, and that's how and they hide behind everything from rocks, wood, whatever you name it. But in this, in the spring and the fall time, when that water temperature is down, they'll move shallow. And but summertime hits, they move into the fast water, it's much more oxygenated, and they'll sit in water less than a foot deep behind big rocks, like. Uh, Steve Coomer, he's one of the local guys here. He's always talking about fine. And our, th- Ryan, this might not work in your area because you guys have big natural rocks. But here we don't. Um, and that's literally attributed to the glaciers. When it came down and pushed back up, it literally erased all like the big kind of chunk rock that you would see in river systems. Um, there's a few places we have here and there that have it um but they're kind of few and far between locally we don't really have them so what we look for is man-made rock we have a lot of man-made rocks that are dumped into our rivers and um let me uh, dismiss my alarm to get ready for work sorry and um so go ahead i was just gonna say we we've got a lot of spots around here like on uh like stone stones river that runs into percy priest lake uh, there's a lot of spots there where it's uh, a bunch of rock has been dumped by oh, people yeah. to to make a lot of rocky areas down that river. So I know, yeah. I know what you're talking about there. Yeah, so we'll have like, I mean, it looks like old dams that have been broken apart. And I'm talking about slab rocks that are the size of small cars, you know, stuff like that. But that's what we have to target, you know, in a sense, because they're current breaks. You know, that's what smallmouth use and they hide behind those so um because of that i had to kind of adjust the way i was throwing that because when you throw a weightless bait and moving water like that it tends to move too fast um and you it the bass can't kind of like they just they they won't chase it down if it's blown by them like that and i think it kind of looks a little unnatural i've also heard though that's not a bad way to fish because it looks like Maybe that bait fish is injured or whatnot, you know. So, you know, but what I ended up doing is kind of switching it up and I downsized the bait because most of the time the bait fish that I'm seeing aren't almost five inches long, you know, in our rivers. Occasionally you'll see schools of shad like that, but they're kind of few and far between. Um, but uh, so I downsized. I went down to four three, and eventually I actually made myself uh, last year. I started throwing the three eights, and that just seems to match what's in the water a lot, lot better. Um, and basically, what I started to do because I had, uh, since I downsized the bait, I needed to get the bait lower in the water column. When you throw those three eights, it tends to stay up high. And um, I was thinking in my head, like basically, this that bait's floating above the fish and you know a lot of times smallmouth either they're feeding on crayfish or hiding behind rocks they might be looking down um they do look up you know they hit top water too but the kai tech is a little on the quiet side it's not like a whopper plopper it's not making a bunch of commotion or commotion 
uh, on the surface, but you can fish it like that. I've gotten good hits on good fish by skimming it on the top. Um, but what I did is start throwing them with belly weighted EWG hooks. Basically that's got, um, like a screw lock hook on it. Um, uh, screw lock's kind of important in my opinion, especially when you're throwing the swim baits. If you're trying to use a belly weighted one that doesn't have it, you end up tearing your bait apart because you're trying to pull that weight through it. Um, so yeah, EWG with the screw lock and it's belly weighted. And I started throwing like, I actually custom ordered like quarter ounce weighted ones. They're kind of hard to find. So on the tackle, usually when you're getting like a three aught hook and it's, it's usually the, the heaviest they make them is like one eighth and it just wasn't enough. I, I like to bounce it off the bottom. So, uh, that, and that also helps that extra weight helps in the current. So it doesn't let it sweep as quick. When you downsized, did you see the size of fish go down or you were no. catching more of all around? I was catching more of all around. Uh, when I caught that 20, it was on a 3.8 this year. And in the, in the spring, I had a heck of a day where I caught like 10, 17-inch plus smallmouth in a matter of like an hour and a half to two hours. Um, what I was finding with those bigger baits wasn't necessarily that I was having trouble like hooking up with fish. And what I, would think, what I was thinking is, from what I understand, bass will eat a minnow like head first. And, mm-hmm. but with the crayfish, like if you're fishing crayfish, they'll pick up the crayfish, shake it, drop it, you know, like they're trying to pull the pinchers off. Um, so what I ended up kind of theorizing maybe for the, at least the ones in my area is that they weren't eating the fish, like completely, they weren't, they didn't have it completely in their mouth with that hook. So I would pull that bait out, out a lot of time. So, so what you're saying is size doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> uh, See, you guys, yeah, you guys shouldn't have added me into this because you know the goofball of me was coming well, you, out. You know, I, I, I thought you were joking about like I'm ready to, but then you came over. Hey, y'all gonna add me in? So I sent, I sent you the call. I thought you wanted to join in, but oh, apparently I, that was a mistake. I, I was joking, but I mean, I'm. That was my question, though, because sometimes you hear, I, I mean, this is a great conversation you guys are having, and I mean to disrupt that by my goofiness, but, you know, sometimes you hear, like, upsizing your baits. Um, For bigger fish, right? Is that where you're going? Sorry about that. Um, you know, a lot of times you hear by, like, upsizing your baits, um, you know, you're only going to catch big fish, and then when you go s- smaller in a bait, you know, sometimes you're just catching a lot of shorter fish, so to speak. Yeah. So I was curious if, like, you had a difference there. But, I mean, I uh, Brian, you're breaking up on my end. Yeah. Sorry. I'm out. <laughs> Uh-oh, we lost Brian. I think so. <laughs> Uh, and he's gone. All right. So, yeah. Like, you, but to go along with what he's saying, um, like, basically, I didn't. It wasn't a decrease in size of fish. Um, I've probably actually caught more fish overall. But, I mean, that has got to make sure small and big fish in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, – and but my hookup ratio with 
with bass have been a lot better, you know, with smallmouth in, in that regard. So, I mean, I got real specific with what I was asking for when I asked for that hook as well. Um, I was looking for a light wire st style hook. I was kind of using ones that were super line and which are kind of a, it's a thicker diameter. And with smallmouth, their mouths are bonier than what, um, but like a large mouth is. And so you kind of need that good needle point, really sharp hook to pierce through that. And um, when I asked that buddy of mine to make some hooks, his name's Chris Hampton. And check him out, man. It's uh, HS&P custom, uh, custom Fishing. And he makes, uh, he's working on making molds, molds for plastics, make his own plastic baits and hooks. And he made exactly what I needed, man. And I've caught a lot of good fish this year. Uh, because of that but um yeah so downsizing that stuff really helped me out um you know like some of the specific things that i noticed was that that light wire hook pierced a lot lot easier than the ones i was using before the ones i was using before man it'd take like a good home run swing sometimes to hook into a fish and you know it just it's I think that hook has kind of meant a little bit more for largemouth. You know, it would probably work a lot better with largies. So, yeah, and something that just popped in my mind when you're talking about smallmouth, I got a big announcement to make. I finally caught my first smallmouth the other day. Nice. And I, I was having, it, it wasn't a big one, but you know, I, I I'm still pumped about it. Finally got one. Uh, got off work early the other day, and uh, just a little off subject here. I I just really want to tell this story because it made uh, me feel good. Because you know I've been doing this segment, trying to learn, trying to become a better angler, and everything. And uh, I've always been the one making the excuse, well, they're just not biting today or something because I ain't caught any fish. Got off work early the other day, and uh, went down to this little spot, check it out, see if it'd be a good kayaking spot. It's a uh, uh, on a river waters I, I ain't been there in a few years but the water's way down right now and uh so it's pretty shallow i drove out there grabbed me a couple poles walked down this little trail through the woods and uh got down here where there's uh there's some current coming down and then there then there's uh some calm water right beside it and i was i was wanting to fish that area right there well there was a guy standing right beside where that calm water was uh fishing and so i was going down a little ways and he turned around and looked at me i was like had any luck and uh and uh he says he said no it's just too hot and he grabs the stuff and he starts leaving well i go down probably 40 50 foot from where he was and uh, i start casting um whopper plopper 90 size in the loon color I, at first i'm casting uh, down the water a little bit there's a uh, a weed edge right there i started casting around that and that's where i got that uh, got that small mouth and I, I was pretty pumped about that about, after that i'm casting for probably about 10 minutes just casting around the side to cast up there well where that calm water was because i was wanting to fish that spot anyways but that guy had been there so i'm like well he if there's anything there, he probably scared it off or whatever. But uh, so I, I made a cast up there, like probably 10 feet 
in front of where he was standing at into the water and uh, got got like probably a three, three and a half pound largemouth pulled it out of there. And, nice. uh, and you know, I, was just, I just fished there like maybe 30 minutes or so because I got off work early. But as I was leaving there, I had thought in my head, like, you know, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm not the one making excuses for not catching fish anymore. Now, I'm the one you say you didn't catch no fish because of this, that, and the other. I'm going out there like, well, I caught a fish. So, yeah. So that made yeah. me feel good. I just wanted to jump on or tell that real quick. But let's get back to you. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it, smallmouth fishing is a, a whole lot different ball game than what it is for largemouth. Like, you know, I'm the exact opposite, dude. I'm not comfortable in lakes. I'm not familiar with it. I mean, I even have a fish finder and stuff like that, but I'm learning, you know, so that's all I can do is keep getting out on the water as often as possible, spending time out there and learning what worked and what didn't. I mean, I went to Callan the other day and just caught one little tiny 12 inch bass. That was it. And, you know, and I covered a little bit of water trying to find a man and it just didn't work. And, you know, but I'm also very stubborn as well. It'll come to like, I'll throw like the same bait, like the entire time. And then I'll switch it up for like a few minutes, but you know, that's, that's a big downfall that we can have as anglers. You don't want to get into that. You know, that's what we've been preaching to you about, you know, like put down that jig, you know, you you're fishing with that jig. You're going to get used to it. You're going to, you know, but they're not always eating that, you know, and that's what my big hangup was is I would go to lakes or even in the river, man. And I'll throw that Kai tech till I'm blue in the face and it's just not working. And, you know, sometimes you need to switch it up. Maybe they're eating something smaller. Maybe they want a worm presentation that day. You know, it's, it, it is what it is. Like, and you that, know, there's days that I've had where I switched up a bait. I was throwing a Kayatech like crazy, not getting hit. And I switched to a little TRD and then caught like 15 fish in an hour, you know. Um, but it, that's just, it. it's all about getting out of your comfort level because it'll teach you you know, how to fish different baits, what scenarios, what the weather's like, you know, all that stuff is factors that you got to consider. Um, especially when it's hot, when it gets hot like that, man, bass, you know, their, their metabolism gets higher, but at the same time, man, if the water's too warm, they don't want to hang out in that warm water. You know, they'll move either deeper to where it's cooler or they'll find current, you know, that's like how smallmouth are smallmouth love cooler water. And the more oxygen and the bubbles you're seeing in the water from the water moving, the better off your chances of catching one is, you know, like uh, I kill it in spring and fall time, but I still struggle trying to fish for them in the summertime. And it's just because a lot of times you got to get out of that comfort zone of where it's easier to fish. It's easy to fish that calm water. You know, you're not fighting the current. You're not worrying about snags. You know, there's a lot of stuff. And even sometimes it gets to be, if you're like a wade fisherman, like I started out doing, it gets to be a little bit dangerous to be in some of that water where it's moving real fast. You really need to know what's on the river bottom and what your limits are as far as standing in that kind of water. You know, it's, um, it's tricky, but, you know, sometimes it, it could be as a matter of downsizing the bait, you know, throwing a grub instead of the Kai Tech or whatever. But, you know, it's... Um, 
it's a learning experience and and with rivers they're ever changing they're constantly constantly changing every year dude i'll go back to some of the spots that i used to start out fishing and i can't fish them anymore because it's so shallow because the rocks have moved you know or i'll go back to an area and i'm like oh that's awesome now it's carved out this deep section you know so i don't know it's yeah what with what you were talking about with size, you know, I, I've been hearing that a lot lately, you know, find the bait fish that are in the water that you're fishing and yeah. match the size of them. You know, if yeah. they got great big old shad, whatnot, you know, get something that profile. If the bait fish is smaller, gets like a smaller profile like that and match that up. So, so I, from what I've, experienced and what i've been hearing you're dead on with that right there yeah uh what let's get into your setup whenever you're fishing this uh this technique like pole line reel what what do you what are you using to throw that um so i'll throw kind of basically mainly two setups for it um i have one it's just a lose reel it's the six, eight to one gear ratio. Um, and it's on a medium, uh, a medium action rod. And with that one, I tend to throw like the quarter or eighth ounce weights with, um, if I kind of go on the higher end or a high uh, one, if I do decide to throw a bigger Kitech with more weight on it, I'll jump up to a medium heavy action rod at that point. It just kind of, the the medium heavy sometimes is a little too much rod for chucking a, a one eighth bait, uh, one eighth ounce like kind of hook because it just it doesn't it doesn't load up very well. So a lot of times if you're casting, it'll shoot left. You know, it just doesn't and it doesn't go very far. But if I uh, if I got some weight to my lures, I'll I'll jump up to a medium heavy for sure. And it's usually, but most of my rods that I have are all for the most part around seven feet. Um, I think I throw a little bit shorter for a spinning rod, but yeah, that, that's the main thing that I'm throwing usually is a medium. And one reason I do it is because a lot of times I will kind of fish it. So let me go into this real quick. The, that bait is super, super versatile. So you don't have to throw it on a belly weighted. You can throw it weightless. So if you're throwing it and it's springtime and you know those bass are sitting in calm water and you just want to ride on the edge of the calm water, you can throw that thing weightless. And it actually, what I liked about Kitex, it has a really high salt content, so it will sink down on its own. It's a slower, you know, slower sinking kind of thing, but it'll it'll get down in the water. I had thrown a couple other companies swim baits and found that they didn't do that very well. They tend to stay up in the water column when I wanted them to go down. Um, but if I usually will switch to a medium heavy when I'm chucking these Kitex or, you know, these swim baits with heavy weights, I'll, I'll throw the medium heavy cause I'm usually fishing fast current at that time, you know? Um, but it's um both of them are seven foot i think the line that i use for the line i use for my medium action for those lighter lighter setups uh is going to be usually eight to ten pound um you know you don't have to go too heavy with that stuff i mean i caught i think i caught that 20 that 20 was caught on that medium action with eight pound test you know the bass probably weighed about five four four and a half five pounds 
Um, but uh, good on fish. my medium, yeah, he he was. It was. It was. It's. It's actually my probably my personal best bass, regardless uh, whether it was largemouth or smallmouth. Um, I have yet to catch a big largemouth. I've caught some, a couple eighteens, but I don't think I've caught a nineteen inch yet. Really? Uh, the, yeah. The you... seven. The seventeen I caught at Brian's was huge. He was probably one of the fattest fish I've ever caught. That thing was probably five pounds easy and it was only a 17 inch fish we know I, I was about to brag because uh i was about to be like are you about to tell me that you you i've got a bigger personal best largemouth than you but then i thought about it like you're mostly fishing smallmouth you don't do a whole lot of large mouth fishing do you um this is the first year i've really kind of gone out on the lakes to fish for them more i've caught I've caught a 17 and a half inch largemouth in the river. Um, and it's funny. I think I caught the same one two years in a row. It was <laughs> in the same exact spot. Um, and it, but yeah, um, I don't target largemouth, man, you know? So I, I mean, I'm trying to this year, but I'm still learning lakes. So it's, so um, I can't, I can't brag too much then because I, I've, <laughs> you know, mainly target targeted largemouth but my personal best was about four pounds it was about 19 inches yeah so yeah um, it, um it's uh i literally fished rivers for i think i started kayak fishing 2015 is when my boat is yeah or the following year i think i have a 2015 coos hd and 2016 is where I had a first full season of fishing out of a kayak. And I had fished, uh, weight fished for smallmouth up until then. And we literally only fished like two little kind of lakes. And, um, you know, it, well, you could call one of them a pond basically, but the other one was uh, Kaiser Lake up north. And it was a, uh, uh, basically a no motor lake it's really really small like you can't even have electric motors out there and um you say you, know, you, you can or can't you cannot yeah oh wow it's you know, I, I mean you wouldn't want to take one out there anyways man it's so weedy even a trolling motor okay. probably get jammed up out there it's pretty bad um supposedly though they've tried to clean it clean some of the weeds up but uh it's it's a weird lake but um like I've caught large, like I've done decent largemouth there. Like what, one of the things that you could go into doing with swim baits is you can actually throw them on like a shaky head style hook or even on a, a belly weighted. And what's a good kind of thing is to run it along weed lines or actually even skim it on top of the weeds, like fish it across. Like if you've got submerged vegetation and it's got some space between the surface of the water, it's a good area to kind of fish a swim bait through that. Um, because swim baits, they give off, they're not noisy by any means, like a crankbait. There's no rattles, obviously, but there is a lot of tail action, especially in Kitex, because they are very pliable, which is a downfall of them, because they get tore up real easy. You can go through a pack of them. If you're, have, if you're catching a lot of fish, it's easy. I mean, I've caught one little bass on those things, and it's torn it apart. So, um, But, you know, there's all kinds of different methods to fish that bait that's why i liked it so much is you can jig it off the bottom you know you can sit there and bounce it along the bottom you can burn it like a you know like a spinner bait and if you know you can 
you can just you could kind of yo-yo it like where some people bring it all the way up you know to like almost the surface and let it drop down on its own um if you're gonna kind of fish like that i would say maybe try downsizing your weight that way it has a slow fall because if you have too much weight on it's just going to kind of drop like a rock and kind of look a little weird it probably wouldn't look very natural especially if you're trying to you know mimic like a dying bait fish if it drops like a rock it's not going to look natural because i think as the fish kind of dies it's going to float down you know it's going to have that floating effect that you see happen in your aquarium almost um but i'll tell you what i've normally target like when i fish that bait is i'm going to fish looking for what's called an eddy and that's where the river like takes a turn it kind of creates a big whirlpool effect you know and eddies can be big like i've fished some that are like you know 50 yards long you know 25 yards wide they're big and then i i found fish in ones that are literally like two feet by two feet and um those are tricky to fish because like you're throwing your bait in it and you're trying to land it and it's got you've got this tiny strike zone and a whole lot of current playing with the bait and a lot of times you'll feel a hit and it'll miss it and you'll have to just kind of keep trying to toss in there and eventually you'll get that perfect cast and that that fish will hit it good i caught i caught one um i think it was on the mad river man and i threw over there and it took like six casts for me to finally land it in there and i felt a hit and and it took probably another 10 casts until i got it to set just right in there and the fish hit it and pulled him out and it's awesome man when you fish like that in current like that it's a good fight especially when they're smallmouth because you're fighting the current and the fish which is a really pound for pound a very strong fighting fish and um you know it's um it's something that's kind of uh it's a good time that's why i like this so much man like largemouth fishing to me sometimes it's not boring but um it's it's i don't even want to say it's not challenging because it is challenging for me but there's just something weird about you know fishing river smallmouth man it's uh they fight hard i've caught like 16 inch smallmouth that have fought bigger you know harder than any largemouth that i've ever caught and i know there's a lot of guys will attest to that you know they're like man a 17 inch smallmouth they'll beat a 20 inch largemouth fight any day oh man that 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 little smallmouth i caught the other day uh it, i'm gonna say it was probably 12 inches or so but man yeah. it, it was it was giving me a fight granted i, I was reeling it up against the current which there wasn't a whole lot of current, but I was, was still going against the current. And uh, but man, he, he was putting up a fight. And I've I've actually got a video from last weekend, I think, yeah. where I I hooked into a smaller fish with with a whopper plopper, and I I don't. Know, it happened so fast. I'm not real sure. I'm thinking it was a smallmouth. But man, it slammed that whopper plopper, and it yeah. it was like right beside the boat. And I, I went to lift it up, and it just was fighting and uh, flipped itself off the hook and got off. So I, I didn't really get a, a good look at it. I'm pretty sure it was a smallmouth because it was fighting so hard. And that's something you'll hear a lot: is smallmouth are just such a such a stronger fight, a yeah. lot more fun of a fight. Yeah. So. 
I guess what we can talk about, Ryan, is like what would people need to look for river wise, you know, for smallmouth? Because you could throw 100 baits. Like, I just got good with the. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say before we move too much further, this is something I was wanting to ask you earlier when you were talking about your line. You, yeah. you said, uh, I believe you said like eight to 10 pound test. Is that yeah. mono? No, I use or fluoro. Fluoro. Uh, yeah, the reason why is because I tend to fish the bottom for smallmouth a lot, and fluoro sinks and mono doesn't. Gotcha. So, but like mono is great if you're throwing your whopper plopper or braid, you know. But you know, I, there's I the, use braid, uh, bra braid yeah. all day for that. So, but, but I mean, if you want to throw braid, there's nothing wrong with throwing braid um, in in the rivers. You just got to be careful because braid doesn't hold up well against rocks. So if you're going to fish, like, say, the Kytex or whatever, or crawl-style bait, the best thing you should do is throw on a fluoro leader. Um, and fluoro, fluoro is a lot harder for the fish to see. I, if I can remember correctly, I think I researched it this year. It's like 7.1 or 7.2 diameter, or not diameter, test line um, is like, and when you get above that, they start to be able to see it some, but it's still a lot harder for them to see than what braid or mono is. Yeah. I was going to um, say something about like clear water with a braid. Probably if it's get real clear water, you probably don't want to throw straight braid. Yeah. You throw like a foot and a half, two foot liter of fluoro on there. And like I said, it'll hold up a hundred times better to, on the rocks. Now, when I throw on the medium heavy one and more weight, I'll up the line weight too because I'll go like 12, maybe 15, or even 17. But it all kind of just depends on what I'm going to be throwing. If I'm throwing a jig uh, in the rivers or even in the lakes, I'm going to put on it at least at least 15 pounds just because I'm throwing heavier weights and stuff like that. And you're throwing into cover or against the rocks or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's easy to break fluoro when you're like throwing eight pound test, you know, it's, it's not, it's resilient compared to braid, but you know, it's not nearly as good. So, um, but you know, the line choice that, like I said, it's just all about like the weights, the weight that you're throwing and what you're going to target. You know, um, I prefer floral pretty much on everything. Um, I do have braid on, you know, like a frog rod where you're going to throw it into the pads or the weeds, that sort of thing. But because flora doesn't do very good in weeds, just like mono doesn't. So, yeah, I, I like braid for for top water. Yeah, uh, just because you know your your line, if you're doing it right, for most techniques that I can think of, your line shouldn't be touching the water. So the fish ain't going to see that and that braid ain't got no stretch and whatnot. So a whopper plopper, or if I mix it up to a frog or, or a spook or something like that, I'm, I'm, I'm using braid for that. I think I use fluoro for pretty much everything else. Yeah. You should actually try throwing your spook with mono. Um, the reason why is mono has got that stretch. And mm -hmm. if you're trying to work a spook and make it, um, like what they call walking the dog where it pops back and forth left and right. It actually reacts better with mono than it does braid. There's a lot of guys that fish mono like strictly on their, their spook well, baits. Like, well, I, I don't really throw spook too much anyways. Back when I was throwing it more, which was before I discovered the whopper plopper. I, then I, 
I, I believe I pretty much always did use mono, but I, I can see what you're saying, you know, trying to get that walk the dog action, you know, that yeah. stretch probably help out. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it helps out immensely. It actually even helps out with frogs. The only problem with that is, is that, I, and I've ran into this before, is if you get hit with a bass and that thing dives into the weeds, man, and you've got fluoro or mono on, it is, it's not good. Nine times out of ten, it'll probably break you off, man. It just, it can't hold up to that weight like what Braid can. Because, you know, Braid's got, it's got that smaller diameter and it cuts through weeds, you know. It's a, it, it every kind of application, obviously, there is out there, you know, what line you should choose. And, you know, you can either be a simple, be simple with it and fish one certain style and one certain type of body of water. But as I learned that as I get involved in lakes and all kinds of different types of cover that there is different applications you need to set up, they'll make you more successful. You know, you'll have better hookup ratios. You'll be able to, you know, like on my frog rod, I've got like 50 pound test braid on it. And why? Because I learned the hard way, you know, I hooked up with a, a uh, 17 or 18 inch fish probably once i saw it come to the surface and then i accidentally let that fish get some like you know some slack in my line and it dove straight into the weeds and i felt the fish i didn't feel the fish and pulled up basically 15 pounds worth of you know salad well <laughs> <So. laughs> um i I pretty much only fished mono up until last year. Last year, I tried out braid for my jig rod, and I didn't know anything about leader, so I had straight braid, and I think I caught one fish on a jig last year. Yeah. Uh, th this year is my first year really getting kind of diverse with, with, my, uh, with my line choice. You know, I'm running straight fluoro on my jig rod now, running – running braid on my top water and uh i got let's see i think i got fluoro on another rod for like spinning but spinner bait and stuff like that and yeah. then the other rod i carry is a spinning rod where i got like six pound test i, I can't remember if that's fluoro or mono this is some stuff i've had for a couple of years so it's probably mono i don't know but uh but yeah, I, I still know a lot of people that th throw only mono on everything, and some of them are pretty successful anglers that do yeah, pretty I, good with I, it. So I threw mono up until last year, and only reason why is because I I found that you could get away with throwing lighter baits and have them sink a little bit better. You know, like when I was throwing mo like mono and I would throw like a light crawl set up in calm water, it would just stay up too easy. I wouldn't make that bottom contact stay like I wanted to where it could hop along the bottom and the flora helped it. It almost acts like a weight, you know, it helps keep that, that bait down. So, um, and you know, just for the sheer fact, after researching a little bit, finding out that the bass don't see flora like they do the other ones, you know, so, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy, man, when you think about it. Because I, I was very much like, you know, a lot of guys that you start out and you're like, well, I don't need all that. And I don't need, you don't really need all that to have a good time fishing by any means. You know, it's just that as I got more serious into it and did more research, I found that there's, you know, all these different types of lines, different 
power rods, links, you know, and they just, they help in their own ways. You know, when I exactly. started, when I was, I started out throwing a spinning setup, six foot nine spinning setup, I eventually got better rod and reel. And eventually I started doing bait casters and, you know, now I can barely throw my spinning rod cause I can't put my bait casters down. <laughs> I hate my, I hate spinning reels now. <laughs> I yeah. you know, since I've gotten good with a bait caster, I hate spinning reels now. I I I feel like spinning reels are harder for me now than uh, than a bait caster because all it takes is a simple little touch of the thumb. Just like if I cast out and I'm about to hit a tree or a bush or something, oh I I'm just tap my thumb on that bait caster where I feel like it's harder to reach around and grab a hold of that line on a spinning reel. So that's just me personally. But, yeah. you know, like like I was saying, and you were also saying there, when you're just starting out bass fishing and you're just, you're just getting into it, you're just doing it for fun here and there, you don't need 10 different rods with all different size and types of fishing line and all different actions and all that you know get yourself one or two decent rods and you know just get put on some mono that's you know that's that's a good starting um a good starting line and it's i I think it's cheaper and for the most part too so if you do mess it up especially if you're trying to learn a bait caster man yeah, I, I recommend anybody trying to learn a baitcaster go out and buy you one of those big spools of just cheap mono and just put a weight on it and go out in the yard and just throw that stuff. Yeah, you know, just it, wreck it because you'll get yeah. used to you'll practice pulling bird's nest out and all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm I've I've become a professional at getting uh, tangles out of my baitcasters just because I do it so much. But and that's that's attributed to fishing rivers, man. You know, you get into rivers with them. It's real easy to hit the low hanging trees or, you know, you go to cast behind you and you're close to the bank and you hook the weed behind you and you look down and you're like, oh, my gosh, dude, my entire spool is sitting in my hand right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, it, it's like you said, dude, just keep it simple when you start out. Don't overwhelm yourself. It's bass fishing is a never ending learning experience. Even the guys who are most experienced anglers still talk about that they still learn because fish change their behaviors change the water's changing the weather's different you know like here in ohio man we had this crazy spring and it just rained and rained and rained and i learned something new and a whole new pattern to fish for smallmouth this year that i did not know previously and i wouldn't have ever gotten out and tried it it was like completely muddy hot mess rivers were just a mess they were up high and I learned uh, a behavior that smallmouth have, you know, and that was they like to sit in the weeds, man, or like in these little pockets that are like kind of where the water starts to drain out. And it's like sandy and rocky right there. And they were in the, the water. You could see two inches into the water. It's completely milky. And I started throwing um, like basically like little TRD uh little trds little ned rigs into those little holes in these little like it looked like trails like fish trails (laughs) and they would be sitting in them man and i caught probably like 15 fish in like an hour and a half following this pattern now most of them weren't big 
Um, I caught like a couple of 16, 17 inch fish, but for the most part where I was fishing that day, it just, it produced like a couple of 12s and 13s and, you know, and some smaller ones and a couple of bigger ones. It was just, it was a whole, you know, wide spectrum of size fish sitting in the same area. Then it translated over to the Brad. Brad, we went out and the water was still high. And I said, Brad, throw along these re- weed lines. And he, him and I both caught decent sized smallmouth within 10 to 15 yards of each other in the same exact pattern. Um, and it held up like that for a while, while until the water actually went down and cleared up. But, and the only thing I could, could really attribute was that it helped oxygen, oxygenate the water and those weeds act like a filter. So the water around those weeds were actually a little bit more clear than the more open air, rocky areas were. So, and it creates an ambush point. So they have to eat, you know, if they don't eat, they die obviously. And so, but you know, it's, uh, it's crazy. You know, like we were talking about it just, it's never, never ending learning experience. I mean, I'm still trying to learn lakes and I'm horrible at them and, I will not claim to be a good fisherman really overall in general. I'm still new to it as well, even though I've been fishing for, you know, six, seven years now and I've caught some good fish and had some really spectacular days, but I'm not consistent by any means, you know, but you know, that, that's what, what my segment is all about. And, you know, yeah. everybody's trying to learn. So whether you're brand new or you've been fishing all your life, you know, this segment, it, it you know, it goes to my little statement. It's um, for, you know, to, imp- well, I can't even get this out. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's to learn new techniques or improve the ones we already know, you know, and it's, it's, that's for, it goes for everybody. I, there's, I don't think there's many people out there that are, good with every single technique out there everybody can learn something new in this and and that's one of the beautiful things about fishing is you know you're constantly being challenged by some or you can constantly challenge yourself with something in fishing so yeah i think that's awesome yeah it's um it's it's been fun you know, it gets frustrating at times. I'm sure we all feel that frustration when you're just not catching anything. You know, I haven't been really successful this summer at all. Um, you know, we went in that tournament, Cowan Lake, and I struggled there, you know, when we had the meetup. And, I mean, I, I, I didn't have really a great summer of fishing whatsoever. I had, you know, caught some good smallmouth in the springtime, and then I caught that 20 with Brad, and that was awesome. And, you know, it's uh and i think probably one of the better days i had this summer was when i went and visited brian you know and he's just he's got this spot that's killer man it just reloads up with big small or big large mouth and um but you know it's just i gotta keep plugging at it just like you do or anybody else who's you know new or you know looking to learn it's um it's all about literally just getting time on the water that's why i i, I have such a love relationship with the Kitech bait and the only reason I can really attribute to that is that it's caught me big fish but I think what it really came down to is that I threw that bait so much and spent so much time on the water with it that I've just gotten good at fishing with it and I can present it in a way that the fish will bite you know um you know as far as doing that like I said there's been times that I've had to jig it on the bottom like 
slowly fish it on the bottom and I'll get hit. Um, when it was muddy, um, I threw the white one a lot. And the way I learned that the fish were biting when the water was really up in the river and it was real dirty and you couldn't barely see, I threw that white one and I treated it almost like a spinnerbait, man. I would throw it out near the weed lines and I would burn it and stop it, burn it, you know, real, real fast for like a couple, like a couple seconds and then stop it. And I would get hit on those stops. But you know, as far as like overall, what I could say, if you're going to target river largemouth, you just, you want to look at what the seasonal patterns are going to be. Usually, usually those bass are going to, in the springtime, they're going to move shallow. They're going to be in shallower water or calmer water. And because it's cooler and they can deal with it and it's more, usually, you know, we've had a lot of rain. So the water's got more oxygen in it. Unless it starts to get super muddy, then they don't really like that necessarily. But, you know, tar target that slack water, that current line. If you can throw, throw it in the current line and bring it like right in front of the, you know, the slower water or you can even sometimes they'll get close up to the banks you know um but summertime hits they're more than likely they're going to go to faster water with big rocks you know or some kind of current break something that they can hide behind you know to get out of the current but still feed and then fall time they'll they'll move back as far as winter time dude i am awful at winter time fishing because i've only maybe probably been out 10 or 15 times where it's like, you know, below 30 something degrees. So it's, uh, those usually you're going to look for deep holes that don't freeze. And, uh, you know, it's got a, a good food source and, you know, they'll, they'll stay near the, usually that's going to have current near it because if there's current, it's harder for that water to freeze. But yeah, it's, um, it's different techniques, man. You got it. You know, one thing I always learned is look for bends in the river like where you, you know, you have a good bend when you have a good bend, you usually have, uh, a not all the time, but you'll have rocks, rocks there. Sometimes it just depends on the land that you, you know, fishing. In. There's a couple areas up North that have a lot of farmland and then they don't have woods next to it, like trees. That's usually not too good because they'll erode the bank and it'll be really muddy on that side. But when the current runs along and it hits a bend, it'll it spins like, like it creates like a circular spinning kind of like spiral effect against the wall. What it does is it'll carve out like underneath the water an area where the fish can actually sit in and ambush out that way too. Um, it's it's kind of wild. Like I've seen, it'll basically create like an undercut of that bank line that they they can sit in and be kind of protected and and feed from there as well. But yeah, that's good stuff. I'm I'm definitely gonna have to get me uh, some of those Kitex and try it out. Now I've I've never used a Kitex before. I've never really haven't really used any uh, swim baits at all myself. So. But I'm gonna try out that Kitek. Yeah, dude, I'll bring some with us when we go to Dale Hollow. You can toss them around. We'll see if they work. It'll be a little weird because, like I said, I'm not real super successful with them in the lakes. Um, but I know, like, some people sw um, put them on like the swing head jigs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got it's like a football style, and the hook is on like an eyelet itself, so it can swing freely. 
and they'll drag that off ledges with the Kitech on swim baits and do real quick, good with that. Quick plug, you can get some of those from uh, Jig Masters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he makes, makes, and he's actually making them too. I think um, he makes a couple different styles. He actually makes a pivot head that is made out of the same like shaped uh, jig head as his regular jigs. Um, and it's got a skirt on it. I, I actually haven't fished really? that with that. Yeah, with it yet. And it looks awesome. It'd be perfect. I have a white and chartreuse one. I'm like, dude, I should I need to put that white um Kitech on it. Maybe, yeah, but that, yeah. I I didn't I I don't think I've seen that on the website, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, oh. and it you could get that probably that weight, you know, to come through rocks. I, I've learned that like, you know, his that jig style, man, it's um not just good for you know, thrown in a timber and heavy color cover, but it actually bounces. If you get the, your weight dialed in, it bounces off the rocks and deflects off rocks really well as well. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, I, I want to get into, uh, something I like to do on here. Uh, you've probably heard it before. People have listened to this segment. have probably heard it before, but everybody I have come on here. I like to uh, ask them a couple questions. Okay. So, uh, my my first question I like to ask is, you got a friend that's never been bass fishing before, but he wants to start. So he's like, hey, I'm going to go to wherever he's going to go, Bass Pro Shop, Academy Sports, mm-hmm. uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, or wherever. And uh, I'm, I'm by three lures to to uh, start bass fishing with and he wants your advice on it what three lures are you going to tell brand new bass fishermen to buy all right uh does this count terminal tackle um i mean if you're going to say like uh, just just go with your gut on that you know we we ain't gotta like be too specific with this uh, (laughs) i'm gonna go two plastics and one hard bait um, the hard bait I'm going to say is going to be pretty much what a lot of people say, and that's a spinner bait. The spinner bait will catch fish. It'll catch smallmouth in the rivers. It'll catch largemouth in lakes, whatever. Um, you know, anything specific wise, I, you could just, I would say if you're new to fishing, just at least kind of figure out what kind of bait fish first before you go to the tackle <clears throat> shop. You know, what's in your area, whether you got a lot of bluegills, shad or whatever. Um, so get a spinner bait. Um, second, I'm going to say is get a Senko, get a, a worm. Um, you can rig that a hundred different ways. Um, and then get, I, to be honest, I would say get a Kitech or a swim bait. Um, the reason I say with the, the Kitech so much, just because of how versatile it is, you can fish it like a spinner bait. You can fish it off the bottom. You can, you know, you can do all kinds of stuff. It's very versatile. It's not, you know, and the same thing goes with a, you know, like a Senko. You can wacky rig it. You can, you can fish it like it was intended to. Like a lot of people kind of get surprised. If, well, at least I was surprised. Like the original way, like Gary Yamamoto designed a Senko, if I remember correctly, is to be fished weedless on a three aught or a four aught hook. Um, if you get too big of a hook, even though it's a five inch worm, it kind of takes from the action that it has where it falls and kind of flutters real weird. If you use too big of a hook, that flutter is actually decreased. Um, 
at least, and I've tested it out and it does decrease a little bit. It's not super, super crazy difference, but you know, it, it does hinder it a little bit. Yeah. And well, I mean, it could be just that, that extra action could trigger the fish. You know, it may not, I've, I've used four out five out hooks on it before and gotten bit with it. Um, but, um, it was kind of a, it's a little tricky though because when you start shortening up your hook like that you know you kind of run in the risk of having the fish just bite the tail or pick it up and drop it but um and you you know as far as like the terminal tackle for uh those two it's really simple you can fish them all kinds of different ways you know so those would be baits that you could get and then you just you're looking at different techniques at that point to kind of you take two baits and turn like three different techniques into each one of them, you know? So those, those would be my choices. And Kitex really, really nice to fish. It doesn't like with a belly weighted swim bait, it doesn't snag very often. You know, it's, it's not super frustrating. And if you fish a Yamamoto, you know, uh, you know, just like normal, if it's weightless like that, you can throw that thing in the weeds or skim it across the weeds as well. So, and it flips or it, it skips real awesome too, you know. So cool. Um, my second question is for a brand new bass fisherman, what's one piece of advice you would give them? Um, don't be frustrated. Get out on the water. Um, the more time you spend, the more that you're gonna learn, you know, and don't let not catching fish frustrate you. Everybody says it, you know. Just think about what you did that day, what the weather was like, you know, and what didn't work, you know, and, and I know a lot of people do this, um, keep a notebook of it, you know, um, you know, that way you don't go keep repeating the same stuff over and over again. That's one thing that I think that I struggle with in the summertime is I find myself throwing the same, same style that I did in the springtime and it may have worked in the springtime, but it's not in the summertime, you know, um, but uh, the other thing I would say is pick a body of water. Um, this is something I want to do. I, I did not do it really this year like I wanted to. Uh, my fishing time kind of fell off during the summertime, but my goal next year, and I think this should be a goal for a lot of anglers that are new, is pick a body of water, whether it's a stretch to river or a lake, and stick with it. Um, if you fish it as much as you can, you know um and learn it and i think what'll be what'll help you is a lot of that will translate into other bodies of water um i picked a stretch of river that is kind of on the nasty side to be honest with you um but it was close to my house it was on my way to work and basically for the past two years i fished this river whether i'm wading or kayaking if i if it's a short trip i went there um and I learned a lot, a lot about smallmouth behavior based off of that, you know, kind of like what they how their patterns change. Like I was telling you before this, that was a stretch of river where I learned that how uh, smallmouth will hug up in the weeds. And I always thought they were going to be on these current seams or behind rocks constantly. And that's actually not always the case. So. Cool. Well, Josh, I appreciate you coming on here tonight. Um, not a problem everybody if you're brand new to this podcast check out josh on thursdays on the final cast segments 
uh, where he reviews products and um, gives his thoughts on that. Shout out to uh, some of the show sponsors here. We got Rocktown Paddle Sports, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Southern Lake Co., Coyote Sunglasses, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers. Um, we have Jig Masters and Hammered Lures. And don't forget about the uh, Used Plastics Recycling Program through Hammered Lures. Uh, save all your beat up, tore up soft plastics, except for the uh z-mans anything else save those put them in a little bag or something and send those to the address in the show notes they're going to melt them down turn them into new plastics and donate those to heroes on the water uh check out the website uh you can see what gear all of us here at paddle and fin are using you can see bios that we post on there you can check out the merchandise you know a lot of cool stuff on there still got hats on pre-order um, you can email the show paddleandfin at gmail.com if there's something you want to hear on this segment specifically you can get a hold of me personally at bassfishingfornoobs at gmail.com um, something we don't talk about on here a whole lot is uh, if you enjoy this podcast uh, uh, whether it's only one of the segments we do through the week or all every day of the week, you like them all. If you enjoy it, one thing you can do to help us out is whatever platform you listen to this on, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is, if it allows you to rate and review us, if you could give us a five-star rating and maybe put us a little review on there, we would really appreciate that. That helps us get out to um, get out to more people. You know, those platforms start suggesting us to other to more people, and we get out in front of those more more people, and you know that that helps us out a lot. But uh, yeah, Josh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a good show, and uh, for everybody else, tight lines. Okay.